as a teenager watching that, the Ewoks was like, oh, that's so cool and everything else. But then when you watch it again as an adult, you're like, what the hell am I watching? Like, what kind of puppy fetish did George Lucas have when he was writing this? Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast, where we discuss the world of film from a fresh angle. And now your host, Robert Yanis Jr., Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. On this show, we democratize the film criticism conversation by bringing on fans and critics alike to dig into their personal connection to a current or classic release. I'm thrilled to welcome Michael Henman back to the show. Michael, welcome back to the Crooked Table Podcast. Well, thank you, Robert. This episode, we're continuing our months-long journey through the Star Wars saga. We're going to be talking about Return of the Jedi. So before we get to that, Michael, tell people a little bit who haven't heard our American Beauty episode from last year now, I guess, pretty much. Well, it was calendar year 2018, I think, that we posted that. Um, tell people a little bit about uh, who you are and what you have going on and uh, you know the return of Alpha Waves Radio, which will be back by the time this uh, this is posted. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, I... Uh I've been a journalist for a very long time. Uh, You and I, we actually met as journalists on the job at a newspaper in Tampa. Uh, I lived in Florida for many, many years. I also, outside of the newspaper stuff, I also ran a website uh, that was called Sci-Fi Portal, then it later became Airlock Alpha. And then, you know, everything went to video, so forget that. (laughs) But now, I live in New York City. I live in the Bronx, actually. I'm a newspaper editor here. And yeah, I I, uh, last year, I brought back Alpha Waves Radio, and uh, and it, it, it finished its first season. I thought it was a great run for the first season, but decided that some changes need to be done. So I took a little bit extra time in the hiatus. And, you know, and I'm actually bringing it back uh, August 13th, which is the 21st anniversary of when I launched Sci-Fi Portal. And I thought it'd be kind of fun to do. And, and I'm going to do this video because I thought that people would love to see what I look like. And then I found out when people saw me, they didn't want to see what I look like. But, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? So talk about a little bit of, um, of the focus of the show. Is it, Are you changing the format or anything at all uh, with the addition of video? Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be different because I... I'm I'm I started like I didn't start radio, but like back when I was a teenager, basically growing up, I worked at a radio station. I got to do a lot of radio production, and so doing podcasting is great because I can do that. And I'm a control freak, so I like to edit the crap out of everything. And you know, and what's going to be interesting is that 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 the that the podcast it's it's going to be similar where I'm still going to talk about topics it's not going to be as guest centric like I'll have guests on there but the shows won't revolve around the guests and that was kind of the idea you know how Alpha Ways was 10 years ago and how I brought it back that it was going to be some topics but mostly guests I decided just to go with mostly topics with guests or just me because you know it's it's I'm a one man show and so, so what will happen is that the audio vo- the audio version of it will still be really heavily produced because I'm a control freak. But the video part will be a little more raw, like it won't be as produced. So you know, you're gonna get the pauses and the coughs probably. I don't know. I'm gonna edit those out, but you know, I can only take so much. But it won't be it won't be as tight moving. I, I think as you would hear in the audio, and you get the option you could you could listen to it and then watch it if you want. So um, you know, it's just kind of fun stuff like that. Yeah, as someone who is now hosting a podcast where it is basically guest centric every episode, I I can I can uh, empathize with you know your 
you're recognizing the challenge to get people on every episode. And sometimes, you know, if you're really passionate about a topic and you are knowledgeable about it, sometimes people will listen to your show and listen to you for an hour, talk about whatever happens to be on your mind. I mean, I did a whole episode when the Star Wars uh, Rise of Skywalker trailer dropped in just like 53 minutes, I think, of me just talking about a two minute trailer. So, uh, so there's something to be said about developing yourself as a brand that way, too. Well, yeah, and I mean, it's funny because uh, I think that my most popular episodes of Alpha Waves Radio in the first season were the ones where I didn't actually have guests. <laughs> it was actually the ones like I spent an entire episode once talking about this cup of coffee that I drank. And I mean, and I went through all the detail and everything else, and I'm sure everybody was bored to death. But then I realized at the end, I don't drink coffee. So, I mean, it was a very odd show. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. It's not <laughs> It's none of those things. Yeah, before but. people start, start looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> what is that coffee episode? I gotta, I gotta listen to that one. <laughs> the lost episode of Alpha Waves. Right now, you should, re- now you should record it and release it as the lost episode, as if it was something know, that sure. existed the whole as, time, as heard on Crooked Table. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> the lost episode of Alpha Waves Radio. <laughs> <laughs> so, getting to uh, getting to the Star Wars saga. I mean, oh, yeah. I've been uh, with every new guest talking about a different episode of the fil- of the uh, series. I've been delving a little to what your history with the franchise. So when did you, uh, you know, when did you first get introduced to the Star Wars saga? And, you know, how, what does your fandom history uh, look like? Well, you know, it's really interesting because uh, a lot of people don't, because I'm a Star Trek fan. And a lot of people think that you can't be both, that you can't be a Star Trek fan and a Star Wars fan. And, you know, and I'm one of those people that's like, you can be both. And and I, and I always have been. And I, mean, I think I've liked Star Trek more, but I mean, of course, I like watching the movies. I, I grew up with Star Wars, though. So, I mean, it came out, like, I think the first movie came out a year after I was born. So by the time I was five, six, seven years old and, and knew what was going on. I mean, I think we were already into the Empire Strikes Back. Um, but I, I loved Yoda. Uh, Yoda was always one of my favorite characters. And 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 just the whole idea, the whole mythology behind Star Wars and and the music. It was really the, you know, it's, it's funny because, like, I, I wasn't obsessed with Star Wars. I, I've never been obsessed, obsessed, but I never really got deeply into it until I was like the summer before sixth grade when I was like 10 or 11 years old. And I came down with mono and which is a devastating disease, you know, made me sit home all summer long, which was terrible. I mean, for especially for, you know, kid hitting puberty, you know, you had to stay at home. <laughs> And so I and and of course, it's back in the days of just having VCRs and and that's it. And so you only had so many video cassette tapes. But thank God, HBO loved to show the same movies over and over again back then. And it showed a lot of Star Wars. So I watched the Star Wars trilogy, the original trilogy, probably a thousand times over the summer. And it was, uh, you know, it it got me through it. Like, it it honestly got me through it where I was able to look at every nook and cranny of those movies. And uh, and, and what I loved the most was, you know, and and as much as I like the characters and the writing and the stories and everything, I think what really grabbed me was John Williams himself, you know, the composer. Mm -hmm. Because... Like I never really thought about the music, be you know that that's involved with movie making or television shows. I mean, I was like eleven years old, but it, but during that time, it was just like like you you kind of understood like you know this is Darth Vader's music here, this is Luke Skywalker's music here, here's Han Solo's music. That that everybody had their own theme, and that and that those themes you know kind of followed them around where they went, and it was awesome. Like I wanted my own theme when I walked around. Like I wanted like you know when I walked into a room, like all of a sudden my theme would come in. And everybody I know it's me, you know, but apparently it doesn't work in real life. And John Williams would not return any of my letters. (laughs) 
No, it's fun. I'm glad that you mentioned not only John Williams because he is really kind of one of the one of the uh, biggest elements of this franchise that has made it so huge. And it, Lucas has said many times that he considers the the films kind of silent movies in a way. So it makes sense that the uh, the majesty of the Star Wars music would be one of your you know your entry points into the the franchise. Yeah, I, I mean, of course, the music's so iconic. Uh, there's just nothing. It, it, it's funny because, like, in 1998, I think, when uh, they were starting to release some of the initial music for uh, The Phantom Menace, back when we thought that might be a good movie, uh, which is, of course, any time before it actually came out. Um, they, you know, like, the, they, they, I remember when the local radio stations in Tampa, the rock stations, released Duel of the Fates, you know, which was, like, the big song that, that was playing with Qui-Gon Jinn and, uh, and Ray Parker. Parks character. Uh, yeah, I don't like that. Movie. Yeah, Darth Maul. Yeah. You can tell I don't like that movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. <laughs> like where they're fighting, but the music is amazing. And I would just sit there and listen to that song like over and over again. And by the time I saw it actually play in the movie theater, it's just like I was like practically singing along with it. It's, uh, you know, it, it's just something about it. And it, so it is kind of odd, like with some of the newer Star Wars movies, especially the ones that don't include John Williams. Not that there's anything wrong with the music. It's just it's kind of odd in a way. Yeah, it's at least he's going. It sounds like he's, you know, of course, returning to do the Rise of Skywalker, and he's done all the the main episodes in the saga. I think the only ones he hasn't done are, you know, Rogue One and Solo, uh, a Star Wars story or whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, which was not a bad movie, by the way. Fine, like, it's fine. It's fine. It was okay. It wasn't yeah, great. Yeah, but it was okay. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was all right. It was all right. I, I have my own personal beef with the. Uh, Star Wars stories and the fact that they, they to me they feel obviously very non-essential and I'm much more invested in the in the actual episodes themselves, which is why in a, why in part I guess I guess that this series is focusing more the series of podcasts is focusing more on the actual episodes themselves and the fact that the Skywalker saga is going to conclude. So having seen the franchise develop over over you know since you were a kid how do you feel about the well how did you feel about the shift to the prequels and then now to the sequels and um where the franchise has gone you know i was really excited about the prequels uh when when they were coming out because really we hadn't had star wars in a long time they had done the re-release by then um and and you know what's funny by the way is that uh, like another song that really became big during the re-release in the late 90s was the disco version of Star Wars that was done by this artist named Mako mm-hmm. and Mako and I are actually from the same little town in Pennsylvania. Oh wow, really? And I have to kill him because I want to be the most famous person from that town, <laughs> not him. So uh I'm just kidding Mako, don't 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 you know, don't sue me again. Um no, I'm just kidding. The, <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, you know, and so I, I just I was so excited, and and when the trailer came out, and you know, for Phantom Menace, it was like it was like one of those things back when people would buy tickets, you know, to see a movie, and they weren't actually going to go see the movie; they just wanted to see the Star Wars trailer. Mm-hmm. So like the Star Wars trailer, the people would literally get up and walk out. I never sat in a theater where that happened, but apparently that did. <laughs> and so um, like I didn't get to experience that myself, but I did go and see the trailer a lot, and that was probably one of the first videos I ever downloaded. Because back then, downloading a video took forever. And so, I mean, it probably took a good two to three hours to download the trailer. I even had, like, the, uh, you know, the South Park version of it. Which, if you ever see the South Park version of the Phantom Menace trailer, it's funny. You have to watch it. It's really good. And <laughs> But I was so I was so disappointed. 
I, I just felt like as, as Phantom Menace was running through that the characters were annoying. They, it, what they were doing didn't make sense. Like, oh, hey, you two strangers coming into my town. We're all slaves. And, but, hey, go ahead. Take my 10-year-old kid with you. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. See you later. I mean, I, it just <laughs> – I felt like it was it was all like to make a video game half the time and not really to tell a story. And it was just I, – I, I just – you know, I wasn't impressed. I, I thought that it ended fine. Like it was okay uh, when we got to the end of the uh, prequel trilogy, but I, I'd be happy never to see them again. Um, you know, but I mean, but again, I'm also a purist when it comes to these new, you know, to the Star Wars franchise where, I mean, I really loved Luke Skywalker. You know, I really loved Han Solo. I loved Princess Leia. And so, um, and, and despite some of the flaws that were in the last movie, I still enjoyed it. I still loved it. And, um, and, and all of these outings that where we can get, you know, this group of people that I don't think I could be excited again until, uh, you know, until we get the new Republic or the old Republic, really. I, I keep calling it the new Republic because my brain wants to keep saying, "Oh, new movies," but you know, but I'm, you know, but I'm super excited about the old Republic because I'm a big fan of the old Republic, of of that genre of that part of uh, of Star Wars. And it gives the franchise, I think, a change of pace that it really needs after focusing so much on the Skywalkers and Luke and Leia and Vader and the legacy of all that. I think it, it, it by setting it thousands, I think it's still thousands of years before these movies, yeah, right? If, it, if it's following what the games did, um, it'll be like about 3,000 years before. Yeah. And and things that people think like, oh, well, what about all the space fight and everything? It's like, you just have to imagine, like imagine that that, that, that that people have reached the the peak of their ability to do technology and and, and you stay there for a while. Like you, you don't really, like there's no more new iPhones coming out. You're already at the best one. Right. And, you know, and, and that's really where they are. Like, I mean, you still have all the things that you have 3000 years later. I mean, but it's, but society's different, you know, because the Sith still exist and, and you have all of these wonderful, beautiful stories. Like, I mean, I, I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't never a big game player, but I played star Wars, the old Republic, you know, the, the MMO, and I would play it religiously, and I made a ton of money on that game. Damn, and I should go on there because I probably have like three hundred million credits that I could probably spend on shit now. But like, but you know, but but the stories were so much fun, and 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 everything about it was so great. And I used to always say like, why don't they make movies in this universe? And now they are. Yeah. So they listen to me. Yeah. Finally, it took them long enough. <laughs> they listen to me. They're like, oh yeah, that's what Mike said. That's what we should do. Yeah. So it'll be interesting <laughs> to see what what the future brings, and uh, it, you know, I think it's fitting to have a conversation about what the the franchise is going to bear going forward, since what we're talking about was what we thought for a long time was going to be the end of the franchise, and we didn't technically get a sp- a sequel to this film until like what thirty years later, uh, picking yeah. up picking up this story. So. Um, obviously, this episode we're going to talk about Return of the Jedi, Star Wars Episode Six. Here's a little bit of the trailer right now. Return for the climactic clash between the forces of good and evil. Return to a galaxy far, far away. Return of the Jedi. The next chapter in the continuing Star Wars saga. The battle for freedom rages on. The heart of a hero. The courage of a rebel. The strength of a leader. 
the loyalty of comrades. The power of the force. The cunning of the enemy. Destiny revealed. Is Darth Vader my father? A legend fulfilled. An epic of heroes, villains, and aliens from a thousand worlds. It's a trap! The quest continues. The circle closes. The saga lives on. Return of the Jedi begins May 25th at a theater in your galaxy. That was a little bit of the trailer for Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi from 1983, directed by Richard Marquand, who did, I guess, a 1981 spy film, Eye of the Needle, and he passed away in 1987, so he didn't really get a lot of time to expand his filmography very much beyond Return of the Jedi, so... Uh, this film made uh, $252 million domestically, $475 worldwide, and I was a, not even born when it came out. I was uh, actually, <laughs> I, and it was during its theatrical run that I was born, uh, so a month or so in, I obviously just turned 36, I posted a uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit episode to coincide with my, my birthday back in June, and uh, so, you know, you first saw this, I guess, when you were 10, 11 is when it really crystallized for you. Because for me, I had, was aware of Star Wars. I knew of the this, the trilogy. I'd probably seen them in passing, but I didn't really get hardcore into it until until I was 13, right before the special editions came out. We rented the VHS. I've said this on the podcast before, but we rented the the old version of the, the trilogy on VHS. And that's where I was like, oh, this is awesome. I need to make this a big part of my life going forward. And uh, and that was kind of when it crystallized for me. So I guess was that ten eleven for you? Yeah, I, I think that you know, in, in all honesty, especially for the original trilogy, I think that you know, for younger people who aren't who, if you weren't an adult, when it's because I mean, when I say I was ten or eleven, it was like the movie had just come out. I mean, it'd been a few years right. on HBO. Um, but I, I don't know. I think that puberty does like a thing, like where kind of I think like kind of makes everything kind of coalesce. Cause I remember seeing star Wars when I was a kid and I thought it was fun with the lightsabers, but I didn't know what was going on. You know, right, I, I exactly. didn't nothing really, but you know, but I think like, you know, when you start, you know, thinking about other people and, you know, all these things and, and some of these stories come together and you're, you're like, where you're, you're like old enough to understand it, but not too old to be like, uh, why is there a creepy relationship between that brother and sister, Luke and, you know, <laughs> Leia? So uh, it, it, it helps, <laughs> you know, like where you don't think about it that deeply. But yeah, I think that I think that that makes a big difference. I think adolescence makes a big difference, which is why I think it's such a big hit with adolescence. And, um, you know, and it was just a lot of fun. And it's just I don't think Return of the Jedi was the best of the movies, but, you know, it was I mean, I, I thought it was a good closing, at least. Yeah, it was a culmination of this story. But, you know, not without it. Thanks its... for having me on. That was great, right? <laughs> the end. <laughs> yeah, the end. I, I already talked about the ending. Okay, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a culmination of the of the story. And not without, you know, I think some pretty significant little uh, plot holes and obvious tying of bows where I, I think I did some research and Lucas was just like, yeah, I just wanted to finish it off. There, so we kind of rushed right through the uh, 
the Skywalker, like Luke's uh, sibling, and then there is another and all that, which we'll get into. But with this movie, I feel like it really got stuck in in the middle between being a, a proper like and a proper sequel to Empire Strikes Back in that like up to that same level where that film feels like it feels like an adult movie, not the not like triple X rated adult wow. movie. <laughs> wow, I don't know which version of Star Wars you've been there, watching. There are, wow. there are there are Star Wars movies like that, I'm sure. But um <laughs> You seem to be very knowledgeable about this, Robert. <laughs> I'm assuming. Not that I know uh-huh. anything. Uh-huh. Um, okay. And, and the podcast took a dark turn. Um <laughs> But like a more like on the same level of Empire Strikes Back and also kind of falling into the the realm of the more pandering things that Lucas did afterwards, the Ewok films or uh, (laughs) the Phantom Menace with Jar Jar Binks and the poop jokes and things like that. So this film to me felt like I, I, you know, I read that there's there was some conflict with Lucas and Lawrence Kasdan, who worked on the script. They're both, you know, they're both credited screenwriters on this and um you know, there were there were different directors in talks for it. David Lynch and David Cronenberg were supposedly, you know, rumored to be up for it at one point or another. So I kind of wonder, like, I almost want to see that version of the movie, maybe whether it's Revenge of the Jedi, Return of the Jedi, whatever the title ended up being at that point. Uh, do, you, do you get that sense from this film that that uh, it feels like it's kind of pulling itself in two different directions? Well, it, it, it was though. I mean, George Lucas had, uh, you know, had a vision for this film where, um, by this point in his life, that he was thinking about how his children would view it, and and not really how like like the people who enjoyed uh, the Empire Strikes Back would watch it. Um, from what I understand, and it's been a while since I've actually kind of looked up some of these things that they had talked about in the alternative versions that they considered for uh, Return of the Jedi. But I mean, I believe that originally they were going to kill off Han Solo. And uh, which I think would have been actually what they should have done. Yeah, I was not that I want to. I I mean, I don't think they should. Not that I didn't like Han Solo, but you know, but when you look back at that story and and the path, I mean, he's that character that should have, you know, that that in order for him to really come through would have been to make that last sacrifice, and that it would be something that would be major, that would be heroic, that would really, you know, complete his journey, you know, from being just a smuggler who just wants to make money to somebody who really did something because it mattered, and and I think that we were robbed of that. Um, luckily, we we weren't robbed of having you know Han Solo come back in in a later movie, but which was awesome i mean and it just felt like we were just trying to get cutesy and everything else and and for what had been you know for a film that really took itself very seriously you know for a franchise that took itself really seriously the film didn't seem like it did yeah no i i 100 100 agree with everything you said uh to speak on han solo for a moment I, harrison ford famously was you know trying to get lucas to change the script in that direction saying hey this guy he's got nothing he's got no one he's got he doesn't have a mother or father or whatever he let let him let's you know add some gravitas to the this final installment of the trilogy and then of course came back 30 years later to be like hey jj remember what i said to george <laughs> double that let's make that happen here so we still got him but it wasn't really a uh, i don't think it was really a not now we're talking about force awakens for a second but it wasn't really a a willing sacrifice it was uh, it was in a totally totally different context and i think having that major death at the end of this film would have but it was still a sacrifice though. i mean he didn't, he didn't intend to sacrifice right. himself but i think that he kind of knew that that that, that and for me like at least in the, in the force awakens that that was where he was protecting you know chewie that this was you know that this was 
trying to protect and, and trying to do the right thing. And, you know, and, and people, you know, I, and I'll tell you what, people like to knock the force awakens. I know that's not the movie we're talking about, right, right. but I get really pissed about that because I love the force awakens. Yeah. And I, I thought that it was brilliant. Of course, there's going to be callbacks to the original movie. That's the whole point. It's supposed to introduce it to a whole new generation. And I got to see the force awakens in a drive in theater in Pennsylvania in the middle of winter, like where it was literally snowing and they actually opened up this drive-in theater to play The Force Awakens. And, of course, I had to be there. And I was. And my nephew was there, you know, who was – he must have been only like 10 or something at the time. And he fell in love with Star Wars because of that movie, you know. And that's the whole point. It's supposed to be the whole idea of, of, of you know, of that magic that you and I had when we were that age and, and seeing that and then, you know, and then recapturing it. So, um, you know, so that we can all be disappointed by the third film. <laughs> Sorry. Well, we'll see. Gonna get us back to Return of the Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens with Rise of Skywalker. Hopefully, that won't happen for your nephew. Uh, yeah. Or me. Or, or, <laughs> or you. Or, or, or any of us, really. <laughs> well, <laughs> no. And I, to go back to the Force Awakens, it does you know bear mention here because we thought this was the end of the the end the end of the of the Skywalker story. We thought this was the furthest we were going to get into the Star Wars universe at this point. Yes, we got the prequels, but that was just filling in ba- you know filling in backstory. We got you know after Force Awakens we got Rogue One and Solo, but again, it's kind of like here's the little wrinkles in the in the universe that you didn't see before. And Force Awakens was actually picking up the threads from this movie and introducing it to a whole new world. So, I guess I was going to ask you uh, did you think this was a satisfying end to the trilogy, or or should this have been the last Star Wars movie? I'm assuming by you know the fact that you like The Force Awakens that you would say no. I don't. What you mean, Return of the Jedi being the last? Should right. we stop the Return of the Jedi? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, I, I think that that I don't think we should have went with the prequels, um, or if we didn't, we went with the prequels, maybe had somebody who knew how to write write them. Uh, I, I'm glad that it continued, and I thought it would. And I'm also glad that we waited until that there were that there were stories to tell in a way that would make sense that that could help re you know reintroduce Star Wars to a whole new audience. Because, you know, I'll tell you what, the prequels certainly didn't. I, I you know I have never met a single person I think liked the prequels, and I actually met George Lucas. So um, you know, and I still haven't <laughs> met anybody who liked the prequels. Uh, in case that joke fell flat. No, the, gotcha. um, just, just insert the laugh track. It, it took, it took, it took a second. I was like, "Hey, what is he saying?" And, you know, I mean, and it's just uh, that you know, I, I, but I think that that these are that there are ways, there are stories that can be told, and I think told, and I think that when you look at the gaming universe, when you look at the the the, the expanded universe, the extended universe of Star Wars, that there are amazing stories to tell. And to be honest, you know, I only I felt that the best stories were going to be in the books and in the games. And for me, like when you got the Force Awakens, you know, suddenly you you know that it was beyond that. And um, you know, and I think that Return to the the Jedi was still a good movie despite its flaws. Um, but you know, as a kid, I didn't see any of those flaws. As a kid, I didn't right. sit there and say, "Hey, why is Han Solo still alive?" You know, like, "Hey, what are those little Munchkin things doing?" <laughs> you know, um, you know, it's like uh, I, you know, but you don't think about those things as a kid. I mean, what what it was as a kid? It's like, oh my god, this is amazing! I can't believe it's over. When is the next one? Right. And you're waiting for the next one, and you're waiting and waiting, and you know, I didn't see another movie ever again. <laughs> you're still waiting. You're still waiting. Uh, well, well, I should clarify for the prequels. I I actually had a long and very ex- uh, passionate conversation with our our friend Jackson Smith, who we both know, 
about yeah. about Revenge of the Sith, and I actually will still I will defend that one. I think episodes one and two I have lots of issues with, but Revenge of the Sith mm-hmm. I always try and separate it and be like, well, this one is this is my baby. You leave that one alone. The other two, yeah, 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 whatever. It was like written like like my baby, I think. But <laughs> fair <laughs> enough, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, I mean, there was I just like the, I like the whole rise of Vader. Like I like the ending of <laughs> the Revenge of the because Sith because it's a because it's a, it. it's a prequel to Episode Four, basically the last five minutes. Yeah. Like, oh, it's like, why, like everything I see. Like, I wish we were talking about Creed 2, because, like, I would love to talk about Creed 2 someday, only because oh, I yeah, call it Rock 4 2. Yeah, it is. So, uh, totally. It's Rock. <laughs> you know, I never saw Creed 1, <laughs> but I saw Creed 2 because <laughs> I saw Rocky 4. So <laughs> it's like, oh, yes, we finally got the sequel to Rocky 4 that I always wanted. But anyway, that's a whole different, yeah, whole different podcast. Yeah, you had an opening crawl to Creed 2 explaining, like, what happened in the interim, you could pretty much pick it up from there and be like, oh, and Apollo Creed had a son who's also a boxer and blah, blah, blah. And then you're back into it. Um, yeah, I felt, yeah, I felt like, I, I, felt like I, that I didn't miss anything from the first. <laughs> movie, <laughs> right. so. But anyway, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I just, you know, the, the Star Wars franchise, it, it's, you know, and the thing is, is that you're going to have people who aren't going to like stuff. And, and, and we're all like very critical of stuff. And, you know, and, and you know, and none of us want George Lucas to be near a typewriter ever again. But, you know, the, you know, but, <laughs> you know, but the Star Wars franchise, I mean, everything about it is just that, especially Return of the Jedi, uh, it did so much, I think, for science fiction that, you know, I mean, science fiction didn't really blow up in the 80s. But it didn't die, mm-hmm. and it had a chance to at least find some sustenance. That yes, it was basically Star Wars or nothing, you know, throughout the eighties because the Star Trek movies weren't really doing all that hot except for like Star Trek Four. But um, you know, but you, and you didn't really have a lot of other choices. But at least that it kept those ideas going. That yes, science fiction can indeed be successful, and I think it's because of that that you got Batman in eighty nine. That you got you know, like a decent Star Trek movie once in a while that, that you'd started seeing some of these other franchises in the nineties, like independence day and stuff, you know, start to pop up, you know, they're not superior films, but it was still nice that to have these things like come together and keep that genre alive. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny too, because the original flash Gordon serials were a big inspiration for George Lucas and then star Wars came out and then they're like, Hey, guess what? We're making a movie of flash Gordon in 1980. Yeah. So it, it was, it's uh, kind of cyclical in that way. And yeah, obviously this film was huge for the genre, huge for visual effects. It got a special achievement Oscar for that. Uh, and the combination of practical effects and, and kind of reaching the, the up to that point in time, cutting edge technology for, for this kind of storytelling, uh, but what but I, I mean I agree with you with the narrative side of things what really always frustrates me about this movie is you have that it's it's a classic episodic structure everything you can basically divide this movie into like three 40 minute and I'm you know roughly 40 minute segments you have the uh, Jabba's palace thing at the beginning which is a lot of fun tying up loose ends from Empire uh, you have the Death Star uh, uh, two and attack and and the uh, battle in front of the Emperor at the end, and then you have <laughs> you have a Star Wars holiday special quality level like <laughs> romp with giant like space teddy bears in the middle of the movie. Yeah. And to me, that's my big frustration with this movie is it starts off really strong, it finishes really strong, and then in the middle you're like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go you know, make a, you know, make a, a run and go get some food or, you know, clean my house for like a half hour, 50, 45 minutes. And, and I think that's what really frustrates me with watching it is that they're the, they talk all the time about screenwriting and how it's always act two. They does that. This is a big 
struggle. It's the big problem area just to get from point A to point B. And I think this movie is one of the most obvious examples of that. You know, and and I agree, you know, definitely. And, you know, but but there are great things about Return of the Jedi. Like if you if you stay off of, of Ewokville and um, what was that? That was Andor. What? I can't yeah, remember what the plan Andor, was. Andor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, like Andor Four or something, or just Andor? I can't remember. One of the moons. Um, of, one of the moons of Andor. It's a forest moon. Yeah, yeah like that. Um, <laughs> and I only remember that just because I think that that planet was mentioned in uh, the Old Republic. Of course. Uh, so, you know, and that's the only reason I was even in my head. It's been a while since I. You know, I know we're supposed to like watch the movie again, but I've seen it so many times. Yeah, that yeah. Even though it's Same. been a long. There's enough in my head um, that I can at least pretend to talk intelligently about it. But, um, you know, but I, what I loved is that that was, you know, and, and probably the part that I would spend so much time on would be, you know, with, with of course, was Luke up with, uh, you know, with the emperor and with his father and, and uh, that whole dynamic, and especially how beautiful it was. The the way that it was shot, the music as it's playing, like especially when, you know, when you really get that, that fight with Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker, you know, the way the music's playing, that the visuals of, of the set that they're on i mean it was so amazing so beautiful so you know like where i i remember telling my dad i was like dad i wish it would hurry up and invent the big screen tvs and you know the flat screen tvs and stuff so that we can watch this and like in high definition and he's like son you gotta wait about another 30 years before we get that 4k tv and i'm like come on dad you know but you know, it's my dad and I had weird conversations, but, uh, you know, they, you know, it was just, it was just, a, it was, but those things were so wonderful. And then the whole, like, you know, and then the whole idea that, that somebody so terrible is so scary, like Darth Vader, especially as a kid, you know, Darth Vader, I, I, I remember, and this has nothing really much to do with it. I remember like when I was like probably seven years old, maybe six or seven years old, uh, my older brother, my older sister took me up to the high school in my town. Um, and there was some kind of a magic thing going on, like some kind of a cool, like magic show that was happening in the auditorium. And I don't really remember the magic show, but I remember those at one point, like everything goes black. And then, um, you know, using like some, you know, like sound effects and stuff on in stage effects, you know, he came out as Darth Vader and did kind of this cool lightsaber battle, which, you know, obviously was just using, but it looks so real, at least as a kid, I don't know how real it looked to everybody else, but, right. and I remember being scared shitless. Like I was so scared. And I mean, I was shaking the entire way home because he was so scary. And I was so scared of Darth Vader, even, you know, even as 11 years old, I was scared just to see him and, and what he could do. But then in return to the Jedi to kind of see how that he came full circle, that, that underneath that mask and everything else, that it really was a human in there, an ugly one one but still human you know and and it was just to me that was the it was an absolutely like amazing moment that that i think really helped change how i look at things especially you know at that very you know at that age where you're so impressionable uh to where like yeah not everybody's so bad not um you know even if somebody is bad that there has to be some good in them and that we shouldn't just give up on them you know and luke never did give up on them yeah, I mean that's the whole thing throughout this movie. He's like, "Oh, I know there's still good in him," and he get and Vader gets redeemed at the end, and and it's it's also one of the more interesting aspects of this trilogy, I think, in a way, is that Vader comes sweeping into what was it, Tantive Four, as the the ship at the beginning of A New Hope, and uh, he's this fearsome figure, and dun, 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 the music swells, and everybody is like quivering. He's choking people all over the place, and then throughout the course of the franchise you realize that he's actually, in a way, kind of 
a victim of the emperor himself. He's he's there's someone so much worse behind the curtain who actually is pure evil. And Vader is really is really humanized by by the by the end of this film. And I, I think what one of the other stronger strongest aspects of this movie also is Ian McDiarmid coming in here as as Palpatine and he, how how uh, how much of an impression that he makes as that character, who's also I mean you mentioned Yoda earlier, but the Emperor Palpatine Emperor Palpatine's always been one of my uh, one of my favorite characters as well, just because he is so much fun to watch, and I think that that uh, that really starts here. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you see it now as an adult, and you know, and of course, thirty years later too, because I mean, obviously, villains have changed quite a bit. Right. I mean, he was he was kind of mustache twirling, you know, For villain sure. kind of person, and you know, a little two dimensional. But I mean, but back then that was the thing, um, you know. And a nice, it is nice to see that the things have changed a bit. Where, um, you know, like where some people have some a lot of problems with Kylo Ren, but you know, but they don't, you know, but I think that they miss, you know, key aspects of Star Wars that were established in, in, in films like Return of the Jedi, where you know, Kylo Ren is just a tool of somebody else i mean i guess we thought it was snokes or whatever his name was but it's who knows who the hell it is it's probably princess leia i don't know um you know but like the you know but that was the thing that, that darth vader was also a tool of that which is you know what they hammered home too hard in the prequels and i just you know and and i think that that those are that those are nuances that a lot of people miss on that and that you know that darth vader did the you know you know anakin skywalker was not ready you know, to take on all the stuff that he was forced to take on. You know, Kylo Ren has the same issues. You know, you know, it's like, oh, well, Kylo Ren's throwing temper tantrums and everything else. And it's like, yeah, he didn't have the grooming, you know, that, you know, that Anakin Skywalker had. I mean, Anakin was a slave and then, you know, he basically grew up from the time he was like 11 up, you know, you know, you know, in the, in the, uh, you know, in the Jedi, you know, temple where, I mean, Kylo Ren didn't have that. Uh, you know, he had a much different existence and, and he's, and, and he's a lot younger than what Anakin was. And, you know, and it's just, it's, it's, and there's a lot more baggage that's on with that. And it's, it, it, I don't know. I think that, that, that a lot of people miss some of these things that, that I think were like really key elements that, that were well established in, in Return of the Jedi. And, and those are, those, those are the kind of things that do make the, the movie watchable even today. I, I do think there's something to be said, obviously, for a complex villain. And I think that's why Kylo Ren is such an interesting character and why Darth Vader is such an interesting character. Because you see over the course of their, you know, their respective films that there is a struggle inside them. That, you know, uh, Kylo Ren is torn between the light and the dark in the same way that in this film Vader is. He even says to Luke at one point, Luke's like, come on, we can... You know, I'll save you. It's not too late for you. And he's like, oh, it's too late for me, son. He's like, you just forget about me, basically. It's like, I I can't come back from this even if I wanted to. He's like, I killed all these younglings. Didn't you see Revenge of the Sith? Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, they don't do in the Star Wars part. You know, and, and I saw thing that. I, thought, I saw that. It's hilarious. I don't think that was kind of odd, you know, as I was watching, you know, re, you know, Return of the Jedi, is that when you, when you watch it and you're listening to Darth Vader, and it's like, you know... He sounds an awful lot like Mufasa. I know. And I, I just, I, it's just very odd. It's like I keep thinking he's going to say Simba, it's like Simba, you know. But then he does it. He's like Luke. It's like no Simba, you know. This um, is CNN. You know? 
<laughs> this uh, <laughs> that was. By the way, if if you never saw the uh, James Earl Jones version of uh, of, uh, of, of where the guest the episode he guessed it on The Simpsons, like way back in the beginning of The Simpsons, like he played some kind of jazz player or something that Lisa, you know, you know, like was like totally enamored with, and uh, James Earl Jones played his voice, and he dies, and uh, you know, and so like Lisa's all upset. And, you know, but he kind of his head kind of pops into the clouds, you know, and he talks to her and she's like all excited. And then like like soon after they're done talking, all of a sudden, like, you know, like uh, Mufasa's head shows up in the cloud next to it. It's like and he starts talking in that voice. And then it's like Darth Vader. And then at the very end, it's James Earl Jones's head saying this is CNN. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> it's, like, it's one of my favorite James Earl Jones moments. Well, second favorite James Earl Jones moment. The, the first one. Is when the guy who who assassinated uh, Martin Luther King uh, when he died in prison it was like James Earl Ray or something, uh-huh. and I was listening to a radio station in Tampa, and they went on for like twenty minutes about how great you know the, he was as the voice of Darth Vader and everything else, and it's like no, that's James Earl Jones, oh, <laughs> not James Earl Ray. Wow. <laughs> Those are two totally different people. Yeah, very different. <laughs> I mean, just the wrong person you want to be messed, you know, like confused with, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, yep. So yeah, it's yeah. I took a dark turn. It dun dun dun. Well, I just <laughs> made a, a Star Wars triple X reference earlier, so it's like we're just throwing all kinds of inappropriate uh, references in here. You know, I, you know, Rob. Whatever you want to put in your library, you know, is perfectly <laughs> fine. I mean, <laughs> so we've covered the uh, the third segment pretty well here. The, uh, the well, at least the Emperor Invader thing. And I agree with you. The music in that scene, especially when he he's searching uh, Luke's uh, Luke's Luke's mind and finds out, oh, your sister. So you have a twin sister. That whole thing, <laughs> I, and that's when the music really I love kicks the in. Fun of that part, though. I just like when he it says is that. It is kind of goofy. Sister. You have a sister. Sister. <laughs> just, I don't know why that makes me laugh. It still. is kind of funny the way he says it. <laughs> and you know, let's watch that scene right now. Oh wait, I'm not in charge. Sorry. No, sorry. <laughs> it's your show. I'm sorry. <laughs> sister. So you have a twin sister. Your feelings have now betrayed her, too. Obi-Wan was wise to hide her from me. Now his failure is complete. But uh, there, there's the whole attack on what it what ends up being the second of three, air quote, Death Stars over the course of the saga. We mentioned Force Awakens, which it's basically, you know, Hansel even says, oh, so it's, he's like, so it's bigger. Well, we've done this before. Um... It was actually the original name Skywalker, wasn't it? it? Like, it wasn't was. that the original? That's what I thought. That that was like the original. Which I, I, I think Skywalker works a lot better. Yeah, Star Killer is too aggressive. They changed the name of this movie from Revenge of the Jedi because they were like, "Well, Jedi wouldn't get revenge. It's not in their character." Uh, so. Well, I mean, that's the that's. I mean, there's a lot of stories about why that changed. Yeah. I mean, another one was because the original uh, tagline to Star Trek Two was the Revenge of Khan. I saw that too. Yeah, the Vengeance of Khan. I'm sorry, it was called the Vengeance of Khan. 
And so, uh, but it seems like both studios decided to change their names, like not realizing, I guess the other one was changing it too. So, um, you know, so Star Trek went with the Wrath of Khan and, uh, you know, and then Star Wars went with the Return of the Jedi, which I think Revenge of the Jedi would have been pretty cool, actually. Well, the Sith are more likely to get revenge. So I guess they just saved the revenge for later at that point. You had to establish at that point about what Jedi, you know, I mean, Jedi is, you know, you know, because you have to admit, like when you watch these movies like the Return of Jedi and, and all of these force abilities that Luke just ignored or just suddenly didn't have. And, you know, like I always thought that the Jedi were kind of boring in, mm-hmm. in these movies. Like I was never that enthralled with the Jedi because like, oh, they could do a little telekinesis and, you know, and they can wave around a lightsaber. So what, you know, and it wasn't until the games, until you got to the old Republic and stuff, it, you know, the different games where they really kind of established different force abilities that, that I think by the time that we got to the force awakens, where you got to see cool stuff, like the very first scene of the force awakens when, you know, that, that mm-hmm. blaster sh- Stays midair, like now. That's how you use the force. Yeah, you know, it's and, and, and ripping bark off of trees, and you know, and, and all these different kind of cool ways of utilizing the force. That's where the force became really cool for me. It didn't really. I mean, it wasn't really well developed, and and uh, and and by the time we got to Return of the Jedi, it took a little bit. Well, at this point in this trilogy, you have two Jedi who are kind of on their way out, and one that is still learning how to be a Jedi, so there's not a lot of opportunity in there, too. Fine with that. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, th- that works with the story, but, you know, but it's just more about character development and right. and stuff, but it's okay. I'm, you know, they, they did what they, 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 you know, what they intended to do, and it was perfectly fine, and it opened the door to allow, you know, broader interpretations, and, and, and I'm so grateful for stuff like that. One of the ways in which I think this movie does, it does kind of a disservice to the to the, the trilogy is that it does feel like they're shoehorning in resolution where it didn't naturally fit. Uh, I mentioned yeah. a little earlier that that Lucas was just kind of like, ah, let's just end it now. I don't know. I don't want to do any more of these. I got other things I want to do, but not really for another sixteen years until I go back to this again. Uh, or I guess he meant producing. Or with the duck. Well, they had like this whole military apparatus, this whole like you know em- empirical government. Yeah. But, oh look, we just lost uh, the emperor and we lost our three. We got nobody else to replace them, so I guess you can have it all back. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of silly. Like, no, it's like Scientology. Somebody else will step up. You right. know, which is why. It- <laughs> it makes sense in the force awakens which when you find out like 30 years later like oh no they did the empire didn't really just go away they just redesigned themselves into the first order they even kept the same outfits pretty much really but that's brilliant yeah. though in that sense to me like and, and that's a lot of the things that i loved about about the force Awakens. i know we're not supposed to talk about the force awakens well but, it's hard not to this one ties right into it it is i mean because it's basically the, the sequel to it yeah and uh, or the sequel is a prequel to uh you know the, the force awakens but but that's what i loved about like how they were able to bring all of this back to to, to, to move us 30 years or we had 30 years of hey you know life isn't too bad kind of thing but that the empire never actually went away and that all it did was just become you know different and harder to fight and that somebody would bring this all back together again and say what you will about um you know was it the second movie i can't remember now there's so many of these movies i'm kind of confused where it came up i want to say it was rogue one or where's the one where they uh where they went to the casino planet oh last Um, jedi can't last jedi yeah Yeah. but and I love the idea that that you know that they got into the idea like where do you think all these weapons and ships and everything come from? Mm-hmm. You know there has to be sources. It doesn't just come out of the ether. You know that there's there, there are people who make a lot of money dealing in this stuff. And I love that. I love the depth that they that they they put into it. Like I felt that 
this version of of the empire at least the first order uh even though it's not an empire but you know but it's the first order i just i loved it i, I felt that they really worked you know hard to, to, to kind of take what was established in return of the jedi and you know and, and the other two films as well but that was really kind of left off with return of the jedi and and put it in a way that you know that that people like you and me who had grown up on the originals but you know kind of want to look something a little bit deeper actually got something a little deeper yeah, and the fact that not only where are where are the weapons and everything coming from, but that people are just opportunistic and that they're selling to both sides, and that a lot of, in a lot of cases the resistance and the first order are getting weapons from the exact same suppliers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the and and, and the suppliers, are, and, but that's but you know, but what's great about that that's that's really true in our yeah. own society, oh, yeah. really reflective of our society, and and to me that's brilliant. That's what science fiction is supposed to do. It's supposed to tell us stories about ourselves. Right, right. I agree. Let us realize, you know. So, uh, going back to the uh, the you know the revelation, I guess here that Luke and Leia are brother and sister. I guess the original plan. What? I know. Sorry, spoilers. I guess. And, and Vader's Vader is their father. Spoilers again. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so I guess the original plan was that. Luke had a sister that we never met and I think they were supposed to introduce a different character down the line but again they just like yeah. well we have Leia sitting here so let's just rope her into this yeah, no, it was Oprah Oprah Winfrey was originally uh, that, cast the play I would watch sister. I would watch Oprah wielding a lightsaber yeah. she's like oh. you get a lightsaber and you get a well, lightsaber everybody he, gets lightsabers she had Stedman you know holding a lightsaber because she, she doesn't do her own that's true. She's not going to carry her own lightsaber. Stedman? I don't know what her, her fake husband's name is now. Is it <laughs> yeah, Stedman. <laughs> but but, yeah. but there's, the, there's all this tease of uh, there is another in Empire Strikes Back, and they have to really, like, uh, loop themselves in or, like, argue themselves in a circle, like, oh, uh, um, what, what, what we told you was true uh, from, from a certain point of view. He was your dad. And uh, uh, you're, yeah, your sister is this person that you just made out with in the last movie. That was totally the plan the whole yeah, time. You don't yeah. know? Uh, you know, welcome to Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, and by the way, that scene, you know, the kissing, the, the makeout scene between Luke and Leia inspired George R.R. R. Martin. So see, it all goes go. full circle. It does. <laughs> Do you do you do you think that the uh, Skywalker lineage and the and the the twists uh, therein? Do you think that it works in this movie, or it's just kind of eh, okay, whatever, sure. There's a uh, there's a great line that I love to make fun of that was in Star Trek Voyager um, in the final episode of it, which I know has nothing to do with Star Wars, but um, hopefully there's a Star Trek fan listening. Um, but there's a great line where uh, where the old Janeway from the future, like uh, she's out trying to do something in space, and all of a sudden this other ship shows up, and it's actually Harry Kim who was like her one of her main officers, you know, on Voyager when they were lost in the Delta Quadrant, you know, and she and and this is like old Janeway, so she's like really kind of sarcastic, a sarcastic Kate Mulgrew, which is awesome which is why i love old janeway and she's like oh harry kim and they say space is so big you know and i and i i like to make that joke a bit in new york like where it seems that in new york city we're eight million people here but yet we seem to run into people like i seem to run into people out of nowhere <laughs> that i know which is odd because i haven't lived here long enough to really know that many people but i'm still doing it and of course i cracked the jokes like oh and they say new york is so big and uh you know and and so it's just but but what happens though when you make everybody kind of related to each other or somehow interconnected with each other it it it, it it makes you think that 
that the entire universe is just these characters that there is there aren't others out there mm-hmm. and i get that, that it's satisfying for audiences to to be like oh look their brother and sister how sweet now she can go and, and boink uh solo it's just um you know it, it's you know i understand that that's that's kind of what they want to do but it's i, I don't know i i you know like you know, when people thinking that Ray is going to be like Luke Skywalker's daughter, or something, I hope she's not. I hope that the story that they gave us about her in the second movie is the actual story. Yeah. That she's not related to anybody. She didn't know anybody. And yeah, now she happens to run into the Millennium Falcon and all this other stuff and, and fall into all this stuff. But that's fine. That's the force. You know, I'll, 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 I'll let that be the force. But, you know, but I don't want her to be related to anybody. I don't want, you know, I, I just, I get that it's fun to do those twists and turns. But, you know, you know, that's great in the 80s. But, you know, I hope in 2019 or whatever year it is when this when this podcast airs that, um, you know, that it'll you know, that that it's a lot different. Yeah, it it makes the whole story really insular, which is why I'm glad that they're ending the Skywalker saga here and so that they can open it up so much. And not only that, it creates all kinds of. weird conflicts with the prequels where he, the whole story of the prequels is like, Oh crap. How did those old people fit together? How did that happen? I need to figure that out. Uh, where he has to reverse engineer the story as opposed to letting it flow organically where little details and obviously I'm nitpicking, but that's what star Wars fans do best. Obviously. Of course. <laughs> Leia remembers her mom. where in revenge of the Sith. Padme dies before like as Leia is born pretty much. So it's the, there wasn't a whole lot of time that they spent together where they would remember that. Um, you know, and the way that all these people fit together, I think I, I agree with you. It works for the story, especially the big I am your father moment in Empire, obviously, is one of the best movie twists of all time and had such a profound effect on younger viewers that Lucas heard from a child psychologist that, oh, I should probably put a confirmation scene in this movie so that so that people will actually accept it. Little kids watching these movies will actually accept. No, no, no. Vader is his dad. It wasn't a lie. It wasn't a trick. It wasn't a trap, as uh, Admiral Akbar would say. Um, and uh, it's it's been satisfying to, to for this film, but it's also kind of the lost effect uh, that after a while, you know, everything on that show is just like, okay, now this person was sitting across from this person during this. It's like, really? It's like, how, how many times? It starts to get really... I don't know, convoluted after a while. So it's nice that Rise of Skywalker will bring that to a cross, uh, crossing my fingers, hopefully satisfying close and let us do something new with this franchise. Well, I mean, but, you know, but a lot of, I mean, but entertainment does do that. And we know that, like, you know, especially yeah. with science fiction and especially with these things that are space based and everything else. Like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people who think in Star Trek that the only characters that even exist on the ship are people on the bridge and anybody that gets killed on an away mission. You know, it, it's that, and that's about it. Um, you know, and that's why I liked it even in the Star Trek franchise that they're really working hard to do things like the lower decks and, um, you know, and that even Discovery, instead of going by the, the, the perspective of the captain, that we go by the perspective of, a, you know, of a, you know, of, of a criminal kind of thing. And, uh, <laughs> a person, in, at least in the first season. And I mean, and it's actually, and it's a great different perspective and, and, and it actually allows you to see that things, you know, like, uh, like what's going to be funny, like just the, the one Star Trek, uh, uh, series that they're working on called lower decks from what I understand that it'll be just about the lives of, uh, these people who are basically working in that, you know, in like the grungy parts of the ship where the ship itself is all going through these adventures and you'll kind of see bits and pieces of it. Like, but like, it's, 
in the background. You know, like they, you know, some crazy alien doing some weird thing to the ship. It is kind of a background story for them. You know, <laughs> like they're they're like living their own lives, which is just sounds absolutely hilarious to me. Just thinking of that. But is that you know, is that really a thing that they're actually doing? Yeah. Wow, oh yeah, it's called crazy. lower. Yeah, you got to look it up. It's it's it, the the concept to it sounds fantastic. I can't remember the people who are behind it, but they're they're big names that are behind it. Sounds fantastic. Like it just sounds so cool that it's. That, I don't know if that's the animated one or if that's the uh, or that's a live action. I can't remember. I think it's animated, but um, you know. But it's like you know. But that's what you know. I want Star Wars to be, and that's why I'm very excited about the Old Republic concept because I think that that the that the Old Republic lends to that more. You know, uh, you know that 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 you you know. I don't know if they would go with the with the Darth Raven era or if they would go after that because like you know like in the games like the knights of the old republic is is you know the raven era and then the mmo is like 150 or 200 or 1000 years or something later or something like that um you know but but you know the but the the, the personalities that you get in, in in the droids and such um you know like the stuff that we saw in rogue one and that we saw in solo with these you know you know sassy droids a lot of that came not i mean c3po was kind of sassy but not like you know not like uh, like the assassin droid from the old Republic, who's hilarious, you know, who you could just sit there and just watch him speak all day, because he's just so funny, you know, <laughs> and you know how dedicated he is just to killing everything, and you know, and that he kind of gives you odd, you know, like odd looks that a droid can give you because you don't like to kill too. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, what's wrong with you, meatbag? You know, and uh, <laughs> and and it's just, I don't know, I, I and I like the fact that that there doesn't that that you can be in the Star Wars universe, not be a Skywalker, not be a Solo, you know, and not be an Ewok. Yeah, well, I think it's it's fitting that you mention Ewoks because other than the fact that I, I like that the uh, the Battle of Endor is basically it, it's just technology versus nature is essentially what you could read into the Empire versus the Ewoks. But other than the that, I don't really have a whole lot to say about the Ewoks. So I, we're, I feel like we're kind of reversing through the, the three segments of the film. We talked really heavily on the Death Star Emperor stuff, uh, breezing past the Ewoks. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hope that that's the case with the franchise going forward. Uh, what I don't get about the Death Star, by the way, mm-hmm. is that you have the ability to rebuild something so massive and do it so you know quickly, but you can't fix the stupid flaw. Like, I mean, what the hell? I mean, you have a chance to do it over again and you can't fix it. I don't get it. But, it wasn't even done being. It wasn't even uh, finished being constructed either. That's the thing. They're like, it's fully operational, but haha, they think it's not done. We got them. We got them on the ropes. Which is pretty cool. I mean, and and, and to bring it back the Death Star makes sense, but you know, and but I just like that it's so you know it's so beatable by some stupid you know you know air vent, but you know I mean, <laughs> but I guess it makes sense that you're so powerful that you don't think about those little things that can get you in the end. Well, so. and Rogue One fixed that plot hole in a in a kind of interesting and creative yeah, way. That was, so that, yeah, that was deliberate. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I love that. That was one of the best way. One of the best elements of that film is that they're like, oh, oh, oh well, these little spinoff solo things, solo, no pun intended, we can actually address little plot points and little things and, and fill in the gaps. So to speak. See, I liked Rogue One, and I know they rewrote the ending quite a bit. Like even the original trailer, like doesn't match like the movie at all. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like it's like I'd like to see what that movie was like when you see that trailer because I didn't watch it when I saw Rogue One. Um, 
you know, but I like, you know, but you know, I, I loved Rogue One, and I loved that it was that it was a lead into to these films, and you know, I I, I thought it worked. Like I, I was in it. I, I liked the characters. I liked you know what happened. I I just I could watch it again. I was really I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I I like it. I I don't like it as much as a lot of people, but I I think it's interesting for the the risks that it takes, uh, especially in the fact that it introduces all these new characters and then kills them all at the end of the yeah. film for a Disney funded movie. I was like, wow, that's really that's really you know Disney owned film. I think that's really that's- ballsy. Ballsy. I mean, that's so ballsy to do, especially in a franchise like Star Wars, where yeah. the whole idea is that if you have great characters, I mean, could you imagine if Marvel, like for every one of their superheroes and their in their origin films, like killed them off at the end of it? <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, you'd never get the Avengers or anything. And I mean, that, that's that's how ballsy a move like that is, or like take the Avengers and kill them all off in the first movie. Uh, you know, so you can't even open the door to do other films with them. Yeah, uh, that, that you knew it's a one-off. And it has to, and the story makes it a one-off. Like you, you can't. There's no other way of doing it. And I like that they that they weren't willing, you know, that they were willing to actually go that route. Yeah, no, I 100 percent agree. All those toys they could have sold if they had kept those characters around. Rogue Two, Rogue Three, it would have been a whole thing. I just think that sometimes, though, like the Hollywood you know, is afraid to take those risks that yeah. they, you know, that they, that it's not really the writers that underestimate audiences. It's it's the studios and the networks and the, and, the, and everything that, you know, that that tends to do that. And it's just, it's, you know, I I don't know. I just like. It makes me happy, like, and that's one reason why I think I really liked Rogue One is that they that they actually didn't avoid doing that. That, you know, that they weren't afraid to do that. That they weren't afraid to take an unpopular approach. And I mean, say what you will about the Game of Thrones ending, you know, they they took a very unpopular approach, but to me, it was the right one. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the right path to go down. And the fact that it's not popular makes it even better. Yeah. You know, in my opinion, you know that that means that you know because nothing that that film did was ever you know that the series did would be like had anybody cheering you know maybe once in a while but it's just you know i i just and i like that star wars is willing to do that and and it's sad that return of the jedi didn't do that that they were you know that george lucas was so scared about uh you know about how this, the film would be perceived that he didn't just let it you know let the story be the story right the fact that this is the and that's exactly you, you led me perfectly into what i was going to say next the fact that this is supposedly the end of the saga at this point, this is kind of the end of the trilogy, it, it doesn't really let itself get, like, things don't get particularly dark at the end of this movie, uh, except for Luke, you know, getting his, uh, getting a, a face full of lightning, I guess. The the biggest hero death we get in this movie is Yoda, and it's by natural causes. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, you know, you get... Old, or old I am. <laughs> he's just like, oh, I'm fake away and disappears into the forest. Uh, but you get obviously Vader's <laughs> redemption scene at the end, which is great, which is powerful and which, you know, brings Anakin's story to a, a satisfying close. But then you have Boba Fett's kind of goofy quote death scene uh, right into the Sarlacc pit at the beginning. So that's <laughs> uh, kind of a good transition into uh, Leia's gold bikini and everything at Jabba's palace. <laughs> What what were your thoughts on that overall, that sequence, and the fact that we get the resolution of Empire Strikes Back without really any of uh, any of the planning that went into they just this is kind of there everybody's on a secret mission when the movie starts. You know, people make fun of the gold bikini a lot, and uh, <laughs> I had to mention but, it at least. Well, I mean, but I I think that that 
you know, but there's there's an aspect to Jabba the Hutt yeah. that, you know, and, and what Leia was going through where you had Leia being this, you know, I mean, Leia as a character, despite the fact that she was sassy and, you know, and didn't take shit from anybody, you know, but she was still proper. She was a princess. She was still, uh, you know, still had to to put on royal airs more, you know, so to speak, whatever royalty means in the Star Wars universe, you know, but, you know, but there was expectations of how that she would have to act in public. And, you know, I mean, I saw Princess Leia in the crown on Netflix. I mean, you know, it just that's, that's the way it works. Um, and uh, they, you know, and it's like, and, and to see her exposed in that way, and not in a way that that's great for you know for straight uh, teenager boys to, to look at. I mean, right. you know that you know, but but to expose her that that I, you had to have that level for her. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that it was, you know, like I don't think it was salacious. Um, you know, I, I I don't think that it was you know that it was supposed to be titillating. I think that that it really was intended to show just you know what Jabba was trying to do to her. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of of breaking her down, you know, even though they didn't get that deep into that in the movie, you know, I mean, this is but this is the you know this is the undercurrents of of what's going on there, and so you know, so some people might look at it as oh they were just trying to get boners from teenagers, where I think really what they were trying to do is is really it helps us build Leia to where she is in the later films, you know that you know that she's not as uh you know that she's not as you know, like formal and everything, but she's still there. But, you know, but I think that those are, those are elements that still, uh, you know, that still popped up and it, and it turned her into some weird angel in, in the second movie, but who knows? It's, um, it's also, the movie goes to great lengths to establish, Oh, by the way, guys, Jabba the Hutt is really gross. <laughs> He's like slobbering everywhere and shoveling things in his mouth and lusting after pretty much every woman in his palace. And in the uh, in the Me Too era, I think that you can add an, an extra layer to it. Not only does she uh, get objectified in that way, but then she like straight up she's the one that kills him. Like she gets she she like reaffirms and and uh, you know reaffirms her her individuality and takes control of the situation and she's the one that strangles him with his own chain with the chains that he used to bind her with yeah and and and, and if you look really closely by the way if you look really closely to job of the hut he looks a lot like harvey weinstein <laughs> yeah that makes perfect sense it's a, he's Can actually take, look closer <laughs> In fact, I, I read an interview once with George Lucas where, like, he talked about the fact that, you know, that uh, Jabba was modeled after Harvey Weinstein. You, you know, nobody knew who Harvey Weinstein was in, in the early 1980s and or anything about him. But, you know, he was kind of forward thinking like my dad. That's how you know? that's how much of a visionary George Lucas is. That's you right. See, you can see that Weinstein, Weinstein thing happening miles away. Yeah, that's how good George Lucas was. <laughs> he can't write dialogue, but he sure knew how to look into the future. He's a real life Jedi. So uh, since we're in the the Jabba section, and I feel like this is where the the changes are kind of most apparent. What I would be remiss if I didn't mention the all the special edition changes that they make throughout this film. I feel like episodes four and six have the most uh, additions. Whether it's you know in episode four the whole uh, the whole arrival to Mos Eisley, expanded the scene with Jabba the Hutt in the middle of the movie, and then in this you get a whole musical number in Jabba's palace. Uh, there's the no at the end now in the Blu-ray. Uh, there's Hayden Christensen's like creepy smirking ghost at the end 
end of the movie. Uh, well, in the new version of it, not in the yeah, old version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. All the all the changes in the um, yeah. Well, yeah, not in the special edition, but subsequent versions, they've added more more things to tie the saga together. But in in a lot of purist minds, to to really mar uh, the the memory of that original trilogy, and they changed the Ewok song at the end. They add in more planets uh, with the celebration. What are your thoughts on all of the all of the changes that Lucas made to this movie? I'm I don't know about the changes. It's it's you know, I, I get wanting to to update special effects and make more money off of the films. Um you know, I get that that the ending was rushed originally and that it actually you know, being able to see some of the other planets like Coruscant and um and some of the others celebrating where it made it where because you know the end of Return of the Jedi originally made it kind of look like hey look we're celebrating on Endor but nowhere else mm-hmm. you know it's like hey yeah just as one little place here and on this little planet with these uh, Ewoks you know but it was actually like kind of a, a, a galaxy wide you know or or sector wide at least uh, celebration I think that it's fine that you to have both versions of it. there's a, there's good things there's bad things I, I could have done without you know Hayden Christensen in it um, you know I'd rather I'd just give me the little kid again I mean at least he was a decent actor um yeah, i don't know what hyden christian was doing what was jake lloyd a decent actor that's the, that's the question i guess well i'm comparing him to hyden christian so okay. i'm a good actor compared to hyden <laughs> christian but, uh, <laughs> i'll take i would take donald trump acting in that scene you oh, know see, now you've gone uh, too far yeah but, they, he, he can but, play uh, he can play job of the hut then he could be the yeah, Weinstein, well, Weinstein replacement. You know, Jabba was an orange, but uh, <laughs> you know, let's you know, let's not go overboard. <laughs> I don't. It's you know, it's. <sighs> I get that you want to kind of tie these things together because otherwise it can be kind of confusing. Right. And, um, you know, especially with, with changes and stuff, but you know, at the same time, you got to be like, you know, if I was like the, the actor, you know, who had played, uh, Anakin originally, you know, in that scene. And then mm-hmm. I got cut out. It's by hiding Christensen. I'd be suing somebody. Yeah. How dare you replace me with Hayden Christensen? You know, replace me with Hitler, but not Hayden Christensen. So, <laughs> I always felt too like Hayden Christensen. <laughs> <laughs> I always felt too that the last frame of the movie, and this is again nitpicking Star Wars fan style. Uh, I always felt that the last frame of the movie would be better if it was ended on the ghosts of Anakin, Obi Wan, and Yoda, especially now with the prequels. Playing poker. Yeah, that would that would be fine too. But uh, them just kind of looking on to the celebration rather than this really goofy shot of all the heroes just kind of smiling like idiots hanging out with the Ewoks. It's just the one thing that's always kind of irked me that I wanted to throw out there while we were talking about Return of the Jedi. One more big question that I want to touch on, because I'm, I'm mentioning it in pretty much, I think, most of the episodes about the, the saga. I feel like the, the Rise of Skywalker is really going to deal with the question of balance of the Force and what that really means. I think The Last Jedi hinted at it really well, that maybe it's not having people that are all Jedi or all Sith or all good or all bad. And it's more about finding that balance within yourself. The fact that Ray is kind of tapping into almost both sides in a way, in a way that kind of Kylo Ren is too, sort of torn between the middle. Did you, what do, what do you weigh in on the whole balance of the force issue? And do you think the force was brought into balance in this movie? Or do you think that's something that uh, JJ, I guess still has to tie up? Well, I mean that prophecy was is so convoluted, <laughs> yeah. you know. I mean, and it's you know, and 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 I guess that they have to focus on something, you know. But I mean, the thing is, is that you know, um, Voldemort and Harry. I mean, you know, they both have kind of the same want. Oh shit, sorry, uh, wrong franchise. Um, you know, that was another balance of the force kind of thing. <laughs> another chosen but, uh, one narrative, basically. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, you know, but no, 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 seriously. But, you know, the thing is, is that the machines did take over and Neo, you know, is is the person. That, damn, that's not it either. The thing um, is that Frodo and Sam just need to get that damn ring down the yeah. volcano and like, well, I'll be done with it. You know, so, but, you know uh, what I think, <laughs> what I think they should do is, um, you know, I think that, you, that George Lucas should, you know, even though I know he doesn't own Star Wars anymore, but I think what George Lucas should do is he should go on YouTube, find the video where, uh, <laughs> where Darth Vader tells Luke that he's his father. And, and, you know, and, and Mark Hamill yells, no. And then they just dub in the, you know, from Revenge of the Sith. Like, you know, that would have you ever seen it where he's like mocking. He was like, no. <laughs> and they just go back and forth. That to me is the funniest. You know, if that was in the original <laughs> or I'm sorry, an original Empire Strikes Back. Oh, my God. I'd be watching that movie right now. <laughs> <laughs> what was your question again? I don't even remember. <laughs> well, you're saying about the prophecy with the balance of the force. Oh, no, the, you could read yeah. that different ways. Like you could say revenge of the uh, Sith. Well, technically he brought it into balance because now there's two Sith and two Jedi or is, is bringing balance to the force. Well, now there's no more Sith. It's all Jedi, which to me doesn't feel like balance because now there's just Jedi and no Sith. It's like the two extremes need to uh, like, instead of trying to bounce back and forth between all good, all bad, let's just find that gray area and live in there. I, I like the idea that, you know, that we don't have to be defined by, you know, by our groups more or less, yeah. um, you know, that, you know, that we, that, you know, that there's nothing wrong with, you know, with group identification, don't get me wrong, but that, that we don't have to be defined by it. Um, you know, that we don't have to, to be, you know, to experience the limitations or, or whatnot that tend to come with that. Um, you know, especially if it's a group that's not exactly very popular, like the Jedi, you know, never seemed to ever be popular, uh, especially in the games. I mean, everybody wants to play the Sith. You know, nobody wants to play yeah. a Jedi. They're boring. Um, you you know, even I want to play. You can't force choke anybody. You can't shoot lightning or anybody. What the hell is the point of that? Yeah. Oh, I, I'm going to help you. Like, screw that killer. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, um, you know, I just like, I, I just, I, I guess that they need to have that mythology that they, you know, and that by having prophecy that this, that this helps bring things full circle. I, I just think it's a crutch story wise. Like, I, I think that there's elements to it where that, that, that I think there's directions you can go without having to have this whole, you know, like, I, I you know, it's, it's like they're trying to make the force the main character, mm-hmm. you know, but I think force always worked well when it was there as a tool, right. not as the main character. And, you know, and that's one reason why I really hated the prequels, because the prequels, you know, made it to where, uh, you know, that Anakin was the result of, you know, of, uh, you know, of divine intervention, more or less, like where his mom got boinked by, you know, a bunch of uh, midichlorias or whatever the hell those things were called, <laughs> you know, and um, and I heard they're not good in bed. Uh, it, it's just <laughs> no foreplay whatsoever. It, 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 just, it, it, I mean, it should basically be by these midichlorians and that's supposed to be a good thing so so you, you know, have seen star wars triple x <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that was the first scene um you know it's just i i just felt like you know oh well we you know it, it's like yeah the force is cool but the force is cool when we don't know that much about it, it it's, it's like you know that, that george lucas should have learned from steven spielberg and steven spielberg should probably learn from steven spielberg a little bit too um you know like when you get to duel which i think duel by the way is probably one of the scariest movies you can ever watch uh, you know, which is the, uh, you know, the guy, you know, I can't remember who it was driving down Dennis. What was it? That was in the start of that? Like you've seen Duel, right? You know what I'm talking about? I haven't actually not seen Duel. I'm familiar with it. Isn't that his first one? Right. 
what the hell kind of a movie podcast is this? How can you have not seen <laughs> Duel? Uh, you know, but like, I think it's like Dennis Hopper. Maybe was he in it? It was somebody that's famous now. Dennis uh, Weaver. Or, think, Dennis Weaver. Sure. Dennis something. Uh, yeah, Dennis Weaver. Um, who I think he's dead now or still alive. I don't know. Um, I was I was shocked to find that George Lucas was still alive. But um, they. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Sorry, George. I hope you're still alive by the time this podcast comes out. <laughs> you look really bad, Mike. <laughs> I'm gonna be very embarrassed. Um, <laughs> uh, and wrong. Um. But like the, you know, but in Duel, what was amazing about that is it's basically a whole big, you know, movie about road rage, uh, you know, about a guy who passes a semi and the semi gets really pissed and basically chases him around. But what's awesome about the movie, what makes it scary is that you never see the bad guy. Like you never see, we see his boots, you mm-hmm. see his truck, you see him. So he could be anybody. And that's what makes it scary. Like what was always great about the Borg in Star Trek, for instance, in the beginning, is that they didn't really say much. They didn't really they weren't like open, you know, they, they didn't really sit down and have coffee with you and, and tell them about you know, tell you about themselves. Uh, you know, that they they didn't say much and when they did, like, you know, and it made them scary and made them great, you know, the really great even in the Star Trek first contact. Uh I mean what got what ruined them was Star Trek Voyager where they all became really chatty about everything. It's like, all right, I enough already, you know. Shut up, you know, <laughs> go sit down somewhere and assimilate something you know and and to me like that the, the, i think that the idea of the force being kind of a mystical uh thing that really nobody understands would have been awesome that people know how to manipulate it in certain ways but that's it you know mm. and we don't need to make the force that the force doesn't have to be making these predictions and we have to balance it and everything else can't we just like not like somebody just because you know that they're doing bad things like can't that just be enough you know, like we're we're making these big planets or turning these big these planets into weapons. That's you know that should be enough to say. You know, I don't think we should. Do that. Um, you know that they want to crush you know democratic governments and everything else. Like, yeah, let's say no to that. I don't really need to have a prophecy to tell me that that those things are bad. Like, I don't need to have a prophecy to tell me that Donald Trump probably shouldn't be in the White House. You know, I I just know from his actions, he puts kids in cages. That's you know that that, that works for me. That's good enough. I, that's enough justification. You don't need the Jedi Council to be like that's not cool. We're not okay with that. I mean, Samuel L. Jackson's great, but I'd rather, you know, talk about that Royale with cheese with him. Yeah, so. there you go. <laughs> yeah, I st- we're either in any case, I think that the, the question of balance, feel I feel like it is something that they're probably going to uh, gonna bring out in Rise of Skywalker because they are kind of committed at this point. And it would give them an opportunity at least to lend a sense of finality to something that whether we like it or not, whether they have ever, they've always handled it the right way or not, is kind of been a lingering issue in the in the saga that has been flip-flopped back and forth uh over time so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that um do you uh do you want to let people know where they can find you on social media um yeah i mean you know the best place to find me is, is uh you know uh, my my personal twitter account which i i kind of use i mean who knows i'll probably get dis you know disillusioned with it again but it's at michael b hinman b is in boy and my last name is h-i-n-m-a-n um uh, also uh you know probably by the time you hear this uh we'll probably be in our 27th season of alpha waves radio <laughs> uh you can find that on twitter at alpha waves radio 
I almost said dot com. It's just that Alpha Waves Radio, and uh, you know, and if you want to hear, if you want to hear Alpha Waves Radio or even see it, uh, it when it comes on, it's it it if this if you're not listening to this podcast by you know August, and it comes out August thirteenth. If it's after August and you're missing it, so hurry up and get over there. Um, <laughs> well, no, but you can, you can join us on our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Alpha Waves Radio, or is it Alpha Waves? I can't remember. <laughs> Either one. one. Check check both. Yep, it's, yep. it's somewhere. Yeah. Now by the time <laughs> this by the time this goes up, uh, Alpha Waves will be uh, will have returned. So if you're listening to this in the future, a little bit of catching up to do with Alpha Waves Radio by the time this gets posted. So cool. Well, uh, Michael Hinman, thank you so much for coming back to the Crooked Tail Podcast. We'll have to talk about, I guess, Creed Two next time. Something. No, no, Rocky Four Two. Rocky it's called well, Rocky Four Two. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Rocky Four. <laughs> Hyphen two, yeah, or that, something. Like, no, you can have like Rocky, you know, like the four and the Roman numerals and the number two. There you go. <laughs> How I would write it. Not confusing at all. No, no. Great, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Robert. If you're interested in joining me on the show to chat about one of your favorite films, head on over to CrookedTable.com/guest, or you can consider supporting the show at Patreon.com/CrookedTable. Of course, you can always find more podcasts, reviews, videos, and other movie-related goodies over at crookedtable.com. Until next time, this has been the Crooked Table Podcast, and I've been Rob. This has been a production of crookedtable.com. All rights reserved. That's the yard of a little KED.